Good morning and uh, happy Hanukkah. We're on the top of 11a, Yod Aleph, Ahmad Aleph, and we're discussing this uh, the dispute between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel, um, whether you say Shema in the night, at night laying down, and in the morning standing up, or whether you can say it however you would like. All right, first line. Bishlama Beis Hillel. It's understandable, according to Beis Hillel, Kamafarshi Tamahu, they explain their reasoning, both for why they say like they do, and why they disagree, Vitaima de Beis Shammai, and they also explain the reasoning um, for why they do not say like Beis Shammai. But according to Beis Shammai, my time they don't explain what they do with the verse that Beis Hillel uses. Um, so basically, why don't they say when you lie down and when you get up is referring to the times, and when you're walking on the way is uh, telling you that you can do it um, however you'd like, even if you're walking on the way. So will answer you. If it's true that when it says when you lay down and when you get up is telling you the time to say Shema, then it should have said it straight out in the morning and in the evening. What does it mean when it says when you lay down and when you get up? It means that at the time when you are lying down, you actually have to be, at the time of lying down, which is the time to say Shema, you actually have to be lying down in order to fulfill the obligation of Shema. Ubeshast kima, and when you say Shema at the time of getting up, kima mamish, you actually have to be standing up. So now the question is, what does Beishamai do with the words and when you're walking on the way? What what, what exposition do they make? According to Beishelo, is that you could say Shema any way you would like. But what does Beis Shammai do with those that, those words? So answer, <laughs> So they need that for what we learned in a Brisa. Uh, the verse says, um, when you're sitting in your home, and we you say that, it's teaching you that the, there's an exception. There's an exception to the rule of needing to say Shema, and that is, if you are doing if you are involved in another mitzvah. So then you are exempt from saying Shema. And then the next part of the verse that says, when you're walking on the way, is, is there to teach you another exception to saying Shema, which is which is to exempt a groom who is going to be getting married. Um, they as well need not say Shema. Mikan Amru. And from here we say, Hakonis is a besula pater. Somebody who marries a besula, a virgin, is exempt from saying Shema right around their wedding time. This ha'almana chayev, and somebody who is marrying a widow is actually obligated still to say Shema. So just to recap, we have the first part of the verse that says, when you're sitting in your home, to teach you that if you're involved in one mitzvah, you need not say the Shema. And then we have the second part of the verse, when you're walking on the way, to teach you that even a groom is exempt from saying Shema. Um, 
a groom is his mind is elsewhere. His mind is fill is is completely on this uh, on the upcoming mitzvah of consummating the marriage, and therefore he's exempt. Um, so he's not actually involved in a mitzvah act at the moment, but his mind is involved there. So therefore he is exempt from saying shema. Um, and then we finished off with the brayso that tells us this, and we'll have we'll discuss the difference between marrying a virgin and marrying a widow later on. Okay, so now from where in these verses do we learn that if you are involved in a mitzvah, then you are exempt from saying Shema? So Amar Rav Papa, Rav Papa explains, Ki When we say, when you're walking on the way, it has to be something like derech, like the way. What does that mean? Just when, as when you are on the way, you do it voluntarily. Um, you do it voluntarily. So too, um, when you are involved in a voluntary activity, then you have to stop and pause and say Shema. But if you're not involved in a uh, voluntary activity, but you're involved in an obligation, a mitzvah obligation, then you do not have to stop and say Shema. Now we say, Milo Askinon de Ka'azil Dvar Mitzvah. Now, wait a minute. Why are we assuming that when it says when you're walking on the way, it's referring to a voluntary walking on your way? Um, Perhaps it's even referring, perhaps it's even discussing when you're walking on your way to do a mitzvah, and yet it still says when you're walking on the way, you have to say Shema, which seems to imply that even if you're involved in a mitzvah, you have to stop and say Shema. And still, the Torah says, still God says says that you need to read it. So what exactly is the proof, what exactly is the source from this verse that you are, if you are, that you are exempt from saying Shema if you're involved in a mitzvah? So we answer this, if so... Um, we could say that if it was true that the Torah felt that you even have to stop a mitzvah to say Shema, then what the Torah should have said is, while sitting and while walking, what does it mean when it says when, when you are when you are involved in your sitting and your going? Because it says, your sitting. And you're going, why does it say that? To teach us, We're there to teach you that it's only when you're doing your own sitting um, or your own walking on the way that you have to stop and say the Shema. But the, but the inference is, is that if you're involved in a sitting that is not your own or a going that is not your own, which is a one that is for the sake of a mitzvah, then... You do not need to stop and say Shema. So now we're going to go back to discussing the groom. If this is so, then Then even if you are, <clears throat> even if you are going to be marrying a widow, if you are involved, if you're the, the consummating that type of marriage is still a mitzvah, and therefore your and your mind would be on that mitzvah. So therefore, why wouldn't you be exempt from saying Shema, even if you are marrying a widow. So we answer, high tarid the high low tar. We say when you're marrying a virgin, then your mind is elsewhere. Then you can't stop thinking about the the mitzvah of consummating the marriage that's going to happen. But when you're marrying somebody that's a widow that's been married before, then you're less preoccupied with that. And um, you will you will be able to say Shema. You'll be able to concentrate enough to say Shema. But now we're going to ask, Imi Shum Tirda. So what this basically boiled this down to is that it seems to be that it's completely dependent on 
if your mind is preoccupied. Then Then even if you have a ship that some can see with all of your financial resources on it, um, that should also be that person should also be exempt from saying Shema because his mind is preoccupied with the great loss that he just had. And if you're going to say the ad, that is the case, that you actually are exempt from Shema in such a scenario. Why did Rabbi Abba say in the name of Rab? That in someone that's in mourning is obligated in all the mitzvot that are stated in the Torah, except for the tefillin. Um, because in the context um, of tefillin, it says the word pe'er, which means glory. Um, as the verse says, um, put the glory upon you, which is basically, so basically this, this verse is part of a list of verses where Yechezkel, the prophet, is told to do things that a mourner is not usually allowed to do. And one of those things was is putting on tefillin. He's told he should put on tefillin. So we see that usually you shouldn't put on tefillin. And the reason is, is because it says glory. And at that time of mourning, you should not have anything on you that is at all related to glory. But what do we see? What we do see, though, is that someone that's in mourning, the only mitzvah that he's not obligated to do is tefillin, which seems to say that shema he is obligated to do. And there's when someone's in mourning, it's very you can't find another scenario where a person's mind is more preoccupied with a suffering that's going on in his life. And yet we still seem to say that he says shema. So if it's just about your mind being elsewhere, then this would seem to teach us that whether that it makes no difference whether you're going to be marrying a, um, a virgin or a widow, you should still need to say Shema because here we have an example of the, the greatest example of someone that's minds preoccupied and yet they still have to say Shema. So we answer, Hasam Tara in the Mitzvah, Hacha Tara So we answer, there in the case of a marrying a virgin, there your mind is preoccupied with a preoccupation for a mitzvah to consummate the marriage, whereas by the ship, um, or for instance in the case of a mourner, there the the preoccupation is not for the sake of a mitzvah. Of course, a mourner, the, the seven days of mourning is an obligation, but for your mind to be so preoccupied that you can't say Shema, there's no mitzvah obligation for that. It's not in the fulfillment of a mitzvah, so therefore that's the difference between them, and that's why for a to mar- mar- marry someone that's going to be marrying a virgin would say would not say Shema because his mind is too preoccupied. Um, again, if you're marrying a someone that's not a virgin, then your mind will not be as preoccupied, and therefore you would still be obligated to say Shema. We are two lines before the colon. Um, we just decided is that the exemptions of people that are involved in a mitzvah is learned from the fact that it says. On in your uh, upon your sitting or upon your going, um, not upon sitting or upon going. So that was where we learned those out from, which means that the word uvalechtecha baderech, when you're going upon the way or on the way, we still do not have. According to Beishamai, what does he do with those words? So that's what we're going to talk about. Ubeishamai and Beishamai, what does he do with the words on the way? So So he uses this to teach you that somebody that's a shliach mitzvah, a messenger to do a mitzvah, who's on the way to going to do a mitzvah to fulfill a mitzvah, he's also exempt from saying the Shema. 
even though he's not currently involved in the actual doing of the mitzvah. Uvesil, Amri, and Basil, they will tell you. So now Basil has a little bit of a problem. Beishamai just uses the word, uses the word um, you're sitting and you're going to teach you you're exempt from saying Shema if you're involved in a mitzvah. And then it teach, uses the word upon the way to teach you that you're exempt from saying Shema if you're on the way to doing a mitzvah. So Beis Hillel, who uses Uvelech Dechavaderech, when you're walking upon the way to teach you the position that you can say Shema and that you can say Shema in any position, what is, where does he learn all these exemptions of Beis Shammai from? So he answered, Beis Hillel Amri, Beis Hillel will tell you, Beis Hillel is going to tell you that these verses are certainly used to teach you these exemptions of being involved in another mitzvah. You can then be exempt from saying Shema. And memela shemami na, and you could also learn out as well tafilu baderech namikari that even if you're walking on the way, you can still read the shema. Meaning, from the literal translation of the verse, when you're walking on the way, you could still learn that you can say shema while you're walking on the way, which would tell you that you don't need to be standing and you don't need to be sitting. So he can learn everything out of these verses, whereas Beishamai feels you cannot, you don't learn upon the way. Upon the way does cannot teach you um, about the positions. So that would be the machlokas there. Okay, now we are at the colon on 11a, Yod Aleph, Omer Aleph. Tanur Rabbanon, the rabbi's top. Beisil Omer, Beisil says, Omdim Vikorin, you have to stand up and say, or you can stand up and say Shema. Umatin Vikorin, you can lay down and say Shema. Holchem Aderech Vikorin, you can be walking on the way and say Shema. Olesim B'malachton Vikorin, you can be doing work and saying Shema. And there's a story of Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. They were resting in a certain place. Um, and at that point, Rabbi Shmuel was laying down. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah was standing. When the time for Shema came, Hita Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer laid down. Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Shmuel immediately stood up. Amrlo Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, the Rabbi Ishmael. So Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah said to Rabbi Ishmael, Yishmael achi, Yishmael, my brother, I'm going to tell you a parable, of what, what you just did can be compared to. Can be compared to a person who people say to him, "Your beard is beautiful. Your beard is full, but beautiful." Amar lehem, and he'll tell them, let it be given to those who would destroy my beard." So they say one thing, and he says the exact. He says, "Let the let it be destroyed." Afkachata, so too is what you did. Kolzman shani zakov atamuta. Well, I was standing; you were lying down. Achshav now keshani hitesi now that I lay down atazakafta you stood up, so meaning what happened was here is that Rabbi Shmuel was laying down, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah was standing up. The moment for Shema came, Rabbi Lazar immediately laid down, and Rabbi Shmuel stood up. So what Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah is saying is, look what happened. You were laying down, Rabbi Shmuel. I immediately wanted to do exactly like what you did the moment Shema came, so I laid down. 
And then the moment I laid down, you got up as if to tell me, you know, as if to just slap me in my face, like as if I had told you that your beard was beautiful and you would have said, um, I need to destroy it. So Amr Lo, Rabbi Shabbi Shmuel said back to him, What do you want from me? I was doing like Beis Halal says, that you can say Shema however you'd like. And that's why I specifically changed my position because I was lying down. And if I was lying down and I would have said Shema like that, you may have concluded that I was saying that I held like Beis Shammai, that you have to say Shema lying down. So I immediately got, so I got up to show otherwise. And you, you ended up doing Shema like Beis Shammai. And furthermore, furthermore, this is what I just said, I was worried that the scholars, the students would see me, and then they would decide the halacha going in generations that you say Shema lying down, because they would have seen both me and you saying Shema lying down and came to the wrong conclusion. That's why I straightened up immediately. So... So Bishmael's answer to, to gave two answers to Elizabeth Azaria. Number one, I stood up because I held like I want to say Shema like like base hello. And furthermore, I didn't want anyone to make a mistake. So now the question is, is my the low ode? What was the second reason? The first reason that he was going like Beis Hillel was a good reason. Why did he need the second reason of he didn't want anyone to make any false conclusions? So what Rabbi Shmuel was doing was he was thinking, perhaps you're going to tell me that Beis Hillel would have been all right if I said Shema lying down, because of course he says you can say Shema however you like. So that would only be if you are lying down from the start. But be here, because since you were standing up until now, and then you lay down the moment Shema came, Omri, then I was worried that those that were watching with Shema Mina, they would say, we see from here, that Rabbi Lazar and Azar and Rabbi Shema both hold like Beishamai. And I was worried that they would see this, and they would establish the law like Beishamai for generations to come. So basically the first reason, would, um, he was worried that the first reason was not a good enough reason on its own. There would have been a possible rebuke. So he was forced for, <coughs> so he was forestalling a uh, possible rebuke to the first reason by stating the second reason. Tani Rabbi Cheskel, more on Rabbi Shammai Basil. Tani Rabbi Cheskel, Rabbi Cheskel taught. If you did the Shema like Beishamai, you fulfilled your obligation. If you do it like Beishamai, you also have fulfilled your obligation. Rav Yosef argues, If you do it like Beishamai, you did not fulfill your obligation. You did not do it and you did nothing. That's the literal translation. It's not, because we learned to the Mishnah. If somebody's the majority of his body and his head is inside of the sukkah. The shulchano b'solcha bias and his, the table that he's using inside of the sukkah um, is actually in the house. So the table's not in the house, but he's inside the sukkah and the table's in the house that he's eating off of. Beishamai poslin. Beishamai says that you will not have fulfilled your obligation. You are not allowed to eat. I'm sorry. You're not allowed to eat like this on Sukkot. It's not as if you're. It's not as if you're eating inside the Sukkot. Beisel Machshir. Beisel says no. It's no problem. Amulhem Beisel Beisham. Beisel said to Beishamai, 
It happened once that the elders of the Academy of Hillel and Shammai, they went together, Levakris Rabbi Yochanan ben Hachoranis, to go and visit um, Rabbi Yochanan ben Hachoranis. And they found that his head and most of his body was in the sukkah, and his table was inside of the house. And no one said anything to him. <coughs> so why is it that you're telling me that it's a problem to eat like Meaning uh, we have a story. Meaning we have a story. Beis Hillel is telling, the Academy of Hillel is telling the Academy of Shammai, we have a story where the academy, the elders of the Academy of Shammai saw somebody eating like this inside of the sukkah and did not say anything. They didn't tell him you're not fulfilling your obligation. Amrulahem, so the Academy of Shammai replied, Misham Raya, do you think that's a proof? Afhim Amrulo. In that case, the elders of Beishamai said to him, Imkain Hayisa Noheg, if you have always conducted yourself as such by being inside the sukkah but the table being inside the house, they actually said to him, You've never fulfilled the mitzvah sukkah in your entire life. So what do we see here? We see that if you hold like Beis Shammai and you do like Beis Hillel, you've not fulfilled your obligation whatsoever. So now if that's the case, in our instance as well, in our instance as well, we would say the same thing. If you hold like Beis Hillel, that you can say Shema however you want, and yet you say it like Beis Shammai, yet you go like Beis Shammai, yet you conduct yourself like Beis Shammai, then we would say that in the converse that Beis Hillel would say, you've never fulfilled the mitzvah of Shema in your life. Not only did you not fulfill your obligation, but if you did like Beis Shammai, you are actually liable for the death penalty. It's not, because we learned in a Mishnah, now we're going to bring a proof from our Mishnah. Um, obviously, that's uh, that's extreme and probably not taken literally. Amar Rabbi Tarfi is just trying to explain how important it is to do like Beis Hillel. So Amar Rabbi Tarfi Tarfun said, Quoting the Mishnah, I was once going on the road, and I lay down to read like Beishamai, and I put myself in danger, stopping on the road like that to lay down from uh, robbers, Amrulo. And the sages said to this man, It would have been appropriate for you to have come to harm, because you transgressed the words of Beishelel. So we see that not only were you not fulfilling your obligation if you do like Beishamai, but you actually are deserving of harm coming your way. Okay, so that's the end of the Gemara. We'll start the Mishnah. In the morning, you say two blessings before the Shema and one after it. And in the evening, we're three lines, by the way, from the bottom um, in the Mishnah. And in the evening, you will say two blessings before the Shema and one blessing after the Shema. Achas Aruchka the Achas Kitsara. And after the Shema, in the evening, one of the blessings is long and one of the blessings is short. Makum Sha'amru Laharich Eno Rashai Lekatser. Where the sages say that you have to say a longer blessing, you're not allowed to do a briefer blessing. Lekatser Eno Rashai Laharich. And when the sages say to do a, a short blessing, you cannot do a long one. Lachatom Eno Rashai Shalolachtom. Where they said, to finish the blessing off with a blessing, with Baruch HaTashem, blessed are you, Lord our God, you are not allowed to not finish it off as such. 
and where the sages said not to finish off with a blessing, just start with a blessing. You are not allowed to finish off with the words, Bless are you, Lord, our God. So for instance, a good example is, is for the second instance, is when you say a blessing on the fruit, on, on a fruit. You say, Baruch Hashem, blessed are you, um, blessed are you, God. And we finish off saying, Bori Priates, the creator of the fruit of the trees, who creates the fruit of the trees. There you cannot finish off. You started with the words Baruch Hashem with a blessing, but you're not allowed to finish off with the words of with Baruch Hashem because the sages instituted it as in a certain way, and you cannot change that. Okay, so we'll stop here for today. Let's just quickly do a review. The review was the review is basically a discussion of where we know how do we expound the verses of when you're um, sitting in your house when you're going on your way, and we actually learned some very important concepts out, including haosik ba mitzvah pater min mitzvah that when you're involved in doing one mitzvah, you're exempt from doing another mitzvah. And not only if you're involved right now, but if your mind is on it as well, if your mind's preoccupied on it as well, you're exempt from doing a different mitzvah. And not only if your mind's preoccupied, but if you're on the way, if you're a shliach mitzvah, if you're a, if you're a messenger supposed to be going to do a mitzvah, you're also going to be exempt from saying the Shema and really exempt from other mitzvahs as well. Um, then we talked about... <clears throat> We went back to discuss Beis Hillel, who basically Beis Hillel, who says you can say Shema in any way, and then we talked about halachic. We had a whole bunch of stories um, where the whole point is to discuss the halacha. The halacha is like Beis Hillel, and the question is, what happens if you do like Beis Shammai? There are a couple of different opinions. For going from you may you'll have still fulfilled still fulfilled your obligation, spanning all the way to not only did you not fulfill your obligation, but you're actually liable to death if you did like Beishamai instead of Beishilo. Um, and we bring some stories to talk about that. Then we start the Mishnah, where we are begin to talk about the blessings that we say before and after Shema, and then a general rule about blessings in general that we cannot change from the way the sages created or the way the sages instituted um, every one of the specific blessings. Um, again, happy Hanukkah and have a wonderful Shabbat.